Good morning, everybody. How are you? Hope all is well. Welcome to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. Today, we're going to be with the meditations once again, and we're looking this time at book one. And we don't do a lot with book one, or we haven't so far. I think it's going to be a book that I want to turn to a little bit more. Once again, the whole concept of book one, I think, is very interesting. It's Marcus sort of taking account of the people who have influenced him profoundly and sort of like grappling with and trying to grab, I guess, in a few lines, what they gave to him, right? So what lessons he learned from them. And we also, I think, talked about it in a prior episode where this this book of the meditations is sort of like an empowering sense of indebtedness, right? I think we can have a good relationship to the idea that we are obligated or we create a sense of obligation to people as a result of what they've given us to the world, as a result of our gratitude for being offered um, what we've been offered. So he here, I think, is doing a good exercise in listing people specifically and um, and listing or, or discussing and examining what lessons he's learned from them. So I think that in and of itself, and I may have already mentioned this in the other episode about book one, but it warrants repeating. I think that in and of itself is a cool exercise that you could do in a few minutes or do for a few minutes every day for a while even, right? Listing one person, what they taught you. And I think we could list people who have taught us, let's say in quotes, positive lessons, right? How to be on, you know, on the planet, how we should behave, who've offered us encouragement and positivity. And I also think we could maybe flip it to an extent and think about people who have like shown us or given us a lesson by showing us how not to be right. Or people who have offered us negativity or, you know, um, whatever, right. And, and still learn from it. I think that's an interesting, uh, kind of spin on this, this idea as well, right. Our major teachers in life often can be those events that are most difficult. And I think also we think about it less, right. I think we like to think more in depth about the events that teach us that have been negative than we do about the people who have been negative. Um, I think they, or at least for me, I, that's my personal opinion. I, I tend to not want to think about negative, um, negative people in my past or even in my present, but I think that that's a mistake. And I've slowly been trying to learn with that. Like, okay, this person's negative. They're hard to be around or whatever. What can I learn? And not only what can I learn from them, but what can I learn about them? Right. And what can I learn about myself? Maybe like, why is this person difficult to be around? Is it me? A lot of times it is. Um, how can I relate to this moment, this feeling, what they're saying, what they're doing differently? Right. Because I think, uh, you know, ultimately there are people that we're just going to have to, in quotes, be around. Right. So the question is, how do we establish a healthy relationship to these individuals, to these behaviors? And that even starts with before we see them. Right. And then after we see them, and of course, while we're seeing them, how do we deal with ourselves to then deal with them in the best way possible? Right. And we're keeping in mind for the Stoics too, like nobody does wrong on purpose. And I don't know if I agree with that. In all honesty, I don't think I do. But ultimately, the other ancient Greek philosophers and Roman philosophers believe this too. The idea that the only time people do something wrong, which to them meant like something that wasn't virtuous, um, which so that, that doesn't mean that they do something wrong to you necessarily, right? Because you might be in the wrong. So you, or by that I mean, just because I disagree with something doesn't mean it's wrong. I could be wrong in my disagreement with it. We have to examine for that too, right? Ultimately though, they had a benevolent or really, I think, good view of people or they had a, a, a positive view of people, right? So once again, the idea is that when someone does something wrong, it's just because they're ignorant. They don't know. And we can teach and guide people. 
um, it's not because they did something or it's not, they didn't do something wrong because they're like evil or they're doing it once again on purpose. So that in mind, we could even look at this exercise, I think, in an even better sense where it's like, okay, what didn't this person know maybe who, who lied to me or what didn't this person know who was rude to me or, or mean to me or what have you, right? Um, just example, simple examples, right? Anyway, let's get to this because I think this is, once again, a, a, good, uh, a good exercise in and of itself, but also what Marcus offers, I think, is interesting in this regard. So in uh, number 12, book one, he's thanking Alexander the Platonist. And he says, he's thanking him for teaching him not to be constantly telling people or writing them that I'm too busy unless I really am. Similarly, not to be always ducking my responsibilities to the people around me because of, quote, pressing business. I like this a lot for a couple reasons. So I think this is philosophical because, and I've really enjoyed talking about this with students, I've been in, you know, I grew up in New York. I was born in New York. I've been in New York my whole life. I've taught obviously then in New York. A lot of my students are from New York and those not from New York can also remark on this because it's such a part of the culture. It's like, you have to at least pretend to be busy. If you are like, no, when someone asks you, how's your day or what have you been doing recently? I've never in my life heard somebody say, I've really been relaxing a lot recently. But we'll say nothing, and then like if we're if if it has if it's the case that we're relaxing a lot, we have to like joke about it, right? It's like oh, I'm just watching Netflix. Like like we can't even accept the idea as like a normal thing that we might just be relaxing. And also, this calls to mind an important distinction because I already mentioned Netflix, right? Which I, I'm I'm pro having Netflix in your life. I'm pro watching TV and watching movies, which should almost go without saying. But I'm going to make a distinction here, right? There's relaxing, then I think there's leisure. Leisure is an idea. I've been learning about it. I've been studying it. Um, it might play a role in my dissertation. It was major in the ancient Greek and ancient Roman world to participate in leisure, which is different than our conception or understanding of relaxing, right? Leisure is not like, hmm, leisure is engaging in a way that I think relaxing is not, right? So let's say there's this like, there's like four levels just for argument's sake, sleeping, relaxing, leisure, and then what we maybe call like work, right? So leisure is kind of like meaningful, sort of purpose-driven relaxing, right? It's engaging in a different way. And we engage with ourselves in a meaningful, profound way through leisure that let's say, quote, relaxing or sleeping obviously doesn't offer us. Right. So for me, and I'm not sure of a better way to put this for the sake of today's conversation, but leisure is like meaningful relaxing. Right. So like it would sort of be to an extent to say you have hobbies that help you shape yourself. That's leisure. You have hobbies or you have ways of spending your time that help you understand yourself, shape yourself, and can ultimately lead to understanding and shaping the world or, you know, to the best of our ability, say, maybe offering something to the world. All of that comes through leisure, right? So a lot of, I think Ryan Holiday does a very good job of this. Um, in, in a couple of his books, he talks about leisure, I think. I can't remember which book it was, but I've read The Obstacles Away, Ego is the Enemy. Um, it's in one of those books, I think. And leisure was like huge in the ancient world. Like you, you would have your work time, right? So Mark Sirius, for example, was an emperor. But he also talks about like these hobbies that are kind of cool. He talks about wrestling a lot, right? Other, I think it was Churchill 
liked to paint, right? Um, these were like fruitful things. Like th these were things that, again, were engaging. It wasn't like you just were on a vacation where you're just sort of deliberately trying to not engage with life's questions, right? That's sort of a part of leisure too, is, is this engagement with life's questions. Like I think leisure also as well fuels, once again, this self and personal development. And it doesn't feel like work, right? Again, work in quotes, because sometimes work doesn't feel like work. If you love your work, that's a cliche, right? But it doesn't really feel like work. So we even make, I think in our culture, a lot of these really weird distinctions, right? It's like, I go to, and I think a part of that is because we, we haven't really figured out how to make work meaningful yet. I think, I think you, you would consider yourself lucky. Like, for example, I, I think I'm very lucky to work at my company because the culture there is not super, let's say in quotes, corporate, right? It's a more friendly environment and that lends it a different sense, right? Or a different feeling around just going to work every day, right? And we still get a lot of stuff done. And so actually the company, luckily, I just, I just knocked on uh, knocked on my kitchen counter for luck, whatever, um, is growing, right? So, I mean, I think there's different ways to even understand and conceive of work um, that are important, very, very, very philosophical conversations. But what Alexander, I'm sorry, uh, what Marcus is thanking Alexander for, I think, is like, don't just always try to be busy, right? When you're at, when you're at leisure, Again, it doesn't mean you're, quote, relaxing where it's like you're just, you know, not even engaging with yourself or the world in, a, in let's say, an energetic way. Like leisure is energetic, but it also gives you energy, right? I, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm explaining this correctly or if I'm even conceiving of it well, but it's sort of just like a meaningful way to spend your time that involves self-development and a level of engagement. And let's say this is a good word too, a level of attentiveness that relaxing doesn't. I think attentiveness is a good word. So for me at this point too, like philosophy, and it's always had this sense to me, involves leisure. So like I guess philosophy, when I'm doing more of the teaching, right? It's like, okay, I have deadlines. I have, you know, I, I have like to check emails and all that, which has less of a leisurely sense to it. But when I'm like just reading and thinking about ideas and that is a, is a greater, there's a greater degree of leisure there, right? And I think a healthy life requires leisure. Now, where does busyness fall into this conversation, right? I don't think being busy is the thing to aim for, right? I think managing our energy and our time so it feels meaningful and so we get good things done, that's what we should be doing. So this, again, this New York kind of striving just to be busy all the time is not the move. Le leisure, I think, kind of interrupts busyness and asks us to be still and once again, pay attention in that stillness. Maybe the book where he talks about leisure, Ryan Holiday, is Stillness is the Key. It's one of, it's one of those three books, but read all of them, I think. It's a good recommendation, um, if I'm a fan of his. Um, where was I? So yeah, I think leisure interrupts a life of busyness. And I think busyness is different than being purposeful, and I'm not saying busyness is all is, is all bad, right? Because sometimes I think busyness is a byproduct to other things, right? But being busy is not the only meaningful thing. I don't even think being busy is the most meaningful thing. So if busy, if we could define that as like, okay, what would make for a busy day? Well, I would think a busy day would be a day where you had a lot of tasks right now. 
that doesn't mean those tasks are aimed where they should be aimed. You only figure out your aims really in leisure. Here we go. Well, now we're defining leisure better, right? Leisure also requires a certain vantage point. Leisure is a moment, once again, to be attentive to life's larger questions and to engage with ourselves in a meaningful way. And I, I, I already said that that can relate to hobbies. I think that certainly can be the case. But I also think if we in, in kind of like inject a, you know, a greater amount of leisure, even into our, quote, work lives, our work lives, our busyness becomes more purposeful. Leisure helps you connect with your purpose. Busyness helps you get small tasks done that should lead to your purpose. But you could be busy for five years and look back at your five years and feel like you've accomplished nothing of meaning because you've stayed busy. You didn't make time for leisure, for that quiet, calm, still attentiveness where you actually confront what the hell am I doing here? Who am I becoming? Right? And that's, again, why hobbies are so important in life because sometimes our work doesn't offer all that we can become. I think that's almost always the case. Even if you love your work, you need hobbies that are, once again, meaningful, that involve engagement with the self and with the world, that offer you something, like they're, they're, they're generative, right? They, they generate energy for you. So don't just try to be busy. Make time for slowing down. Make time for a different type of attentiveness. Make time for different modes of perceiving yourself and the world, right? Because if we're just head down, busy all the time, even such that we're like rejecting responsibilities, right? That's one, a great part of this too. Don't duck your responsibilities to the people around you because you're busy. Because you're, he puts this in quotes to kind of, like, again, I think make fun of himself a little bit. Is this business really pressing or are you missing out on whole aspects of life? Are you missing out on your responsibilities and your obligations because you're busy with a to-do list and you didn't put the real important stuff on that to-do list? You've exchanged some of that for a sense of, of busyness. So again, leisure also helps us become busy with the right things. So what's the, maybe what's a practical suggestion for this? Start going on a walk every day. Start walking every day, even if it's cold out, or walk in place even. There's something good about just walking, I think. Go for a 10-minute walk and, and ask yourself some questions or just look around you. Stuff will kind of occur to you. Try to do it in the middle of the workday. Right? Inject some type of break so you're not always just – and I, I fall prey to this a lot. You're just not going – task after task after task. We have to make sure, again, that these tasks have an aim that's fruitful, that's meaningful for you and for the world too. A lot of busy work, which, which to me, that's bullshit work. We can't just have a life that's only busy work. That's where leisure comes in. Leisure also, which I hope I've made clear already, kind of helps us situate ourselves to the tasks. So we can examine them and be like, does this make sense? Are these, are these tasks leading me down a path that's beneficial for me, for my family, for my community, for the world? You don't ask those questions when you're just doing the tasks, right? You need leisure for that. You need a different vantage point. You need different movements, right? Whether it's going for a walk or, or whatever it is. 
to access leisure, we have to step outside of the tasks, step outside of the busyness. And we can't just, we can't look at busyness as the primary virtue. Once again, you could be busy doing the wrong things, in which case it's not virtuous at all. You only find that out by stopping and looking. That's a part of leisure. Asking yourself those questions that I just said. Hope this is helpful. I'll stop it here. I don't want to go too long. But I think this is a cool, a cool idea. How are you busy? Why are you busy? Even addressing those questions, I think, is where we're moving towards, we're at least gesturing towards leisure. Ask yourself that today. Hope this is helpful. Take care.